In his book, Dear Church, Lenny Duncan talks about an extra pause he takes during the worship service. In this liminal space between the confession of the assembled church and the pronouncement of forgiveness, a moment of silence where he waits for the clearing of a throat or the shifting of feet that says, It's time to move on, Pastor. Let's be reconciled with God already. He says he takes another couple of moments after that clearing of throat or shifting of feet to sit in this uncomfortable space between confession and forgiveness because he believes it is the place the church needs to be, a neglected place, perhaps. While Pastor Duncan takes that point in another direction, this practice reminded me of the second part of our devotional theme on suffering, groaning with God. Last week the topic was free will, and it may have seemed like I was trying to explain suffering in a neat little package. Maybe I was, although I considered it a pretty messy package, but that's kind of how my mind works. I like reason. I like wrapping things up, a bit at least. But I'm helped this week by the wonderful scholar N.T. Wright to resist explaining suffering as if it is rational or reasonable or neat and tidy. Professor Wright laments that Christians often try to counter atheist attacks, which often center on how there can be a God with so much suffering. They counter this by trying to rationally explain suffering. And he sees that as a problem because that leads to creating a God like the cause and effect gods of the pagan world. Do this, please the gods, get blessings. If trouble comes, you did something wrong. It all makes sense. But to see that as anything close to the God we know in Jesus Christ is absolutely ludicrous. But it's all over Christianity, anxiously trying to combat growing disbelief with shallow reason. Now, I'm sure Dr. Wright is no enemy of reason, and neither am I. But what is missed in all of this anxious explanation is a God of the cross. In Romans 8, the Apostle Paul taps into this in a profound way. He acknowledges suffering and speaks about our own groaning and creation's groaning in beautiful words. But then, in verse 26, he says these famous words, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Now, I've always read this as my groans being put into words by the Spirit, sort of like tears translated into words for God's ears. But no, it is clearly, it's clear in both the original Greek and in our English translation that God's Spirit intercedes with groans of its own. Sighs and groans are really the same word in Greek. But the point is that God syncs up with us in our pain, in our longing for justice, in our lament. This is not a comfortable place, but it is not an empty space either. God is there, even God without words. This is hard and mysterious ground to stand on, this liminal space of discomfort between pain and and some explanation or reconciliation. But it also seems to be a place to see God more clearly. I wonder if this is why we often feel very close to God during times of difficulty. I mean, 
That isn't reasonable, but it is true time and time again. You know, oftentimes I don't find that people have left the church because something bad happened, but rather because they got a canned explanation about God and suffering that really just didn't hold up. They got that rather than an invitation to a journey with God through suffering. A God who knows the pain of the cross. A God who will not leave us or forsake us. And is so wrapped up in the redemption of this world that even God sometimes can only grow with us at its suffering. I once heard someone say, in any tragedy, God's heart is the first to break. That loving perspective stuck with me, and it gives me more than my reason will probably ever understand or explain.